Please fasten your seatbelts. The skies are rough and our two pilots have no idea where they're going. So kick back, relax, and enjoy your flight on no blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. And this is a special bonus episode. It's another one of our readouts. For those of you who missed the last one, readouts are special episodes where we take a Matador story or narrative and read it aloud on the pod for your listening pleasure. So you don't have to endure our cringeworthy hot takes today or buckle up for any intellectually riveting interviews. Just sit back, relax, and listen. That's right, Evan. Today's article is a point-counterpoint co-written by Evan and myself back in 2021 called Are Coworking Spaces Worth It or a Waste of Money? I, of course, defend the merits of co-working spaces. I'm, in fact, sitting in a co-working space right now, while Evan takes a more skeptical view. Uh, We'll each be reading our own segments from the story to keep things simple. We're going to get into it now. Enjoy. At first glance, co-working spaces sound straightforward and uncontroversial. They're essentially offices designed for remote workers, furnished with desks, Wi-Fi, receptionists, and sometimes even free refreshments. Remote workers from a variety of industries can rent these spaces on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. Basically, it attempts to simulate a real office environment for people who aren't actually required to work in an office. The spaces can be a boon for an ever-growing number of workers who aren't tied to a traditional office space. Some simply feel more productive in an office, others might be attracted to the social dynamic, which you don't get by working from your living room in your pajamas. As remote work itself rises in popularity, so too are co-working spaces in cities and countries around the world, from the United States to Bali, Indonesia. But are they a scam? This seemingly simple concept is more complicated than it may appear. Sure, co-working spaces are versatile, but they're also incredibly expensive for what you're actually getting a desk, some coffee, beer on tap if you really splurge on a spot. For some, the cost is totally worth the professional atmosphere and the social benefits. For others, the whole business model feels like a ripoff. So, here on No Blackout Dates, as well as in print at Matador Network, we're going to settle the debate. Two members of our team, Evan and myself, are going to let down our thoughts, let down our guard, and square off on the issue. Both of us have worked remotely. Both of us travel extensively, but we have wildly different views on this space. We're going to start with Evan. Against co-working spaces. Paying for a co-working space is like traveling 10 minutes and paying 25 cents for a public restroom instead of just using the one in your apartment. Sure, it gets you out of the house. It's a change of scenery. Maybe the public bathroom even has some fancy soap dispensers with that soft foam stuff that smells like fresh mango. But the fact remains that you're commuting and paying 25 cents for a service you can get for free without even getting dressed. As a location-independent worker, I've considered co-working spaces on several occasions. Each time, I've come to the same conclusion. They're too expensive, aren't conducive to productivity, and defeat the whole point of being a remote worker in the first place. Four co-working spaces. They are inspiring. Co-working isn't for the glass-half-empty types who cast a questioning eye on the good nature of strangers and on even the slightest hint of change or progress. In short, co-working is not for pajama-clad living room warriors who prefer to keep the video off on Zoom calls and who don't take advantage of their location-independent privileges. It's instead for big-picture thinkers who always know there's a little bit more out there than what they're currently getting. The modern world of work increasingly relies on contractors, small-time entrepreneurs, and freelancers to conduct tasks previously done in-house by staff at large companies. Thing is, 
Working on a contract basis can be isolating. Same goes for working for a remote company with team members distributed around the country or even the globe. Surrounding yourself with others in a similar situation can make all the difference in staying motivated. Without the established and visible corporate ladder to climb, it can often seem like you're moving horizontally rather than vertically. Call me crazy, but I take a lot more inspiration from seeing other people kick ass at what they do than I do from secluding myself at home and getting FOMO from social media. Against co-working spaces. It's a glorified coffee shop. The only difference between a co-working space and a coffee shop is that co-working spaces smell like Febreze rather than French vanilla. Oh, and it costs about $200 more for a table. I certainly identify with the urge to get out of the house and work in a more public, social environment. That's why I go to coffee shops. For $4.50, I can get a large coffee, blueberry muffin, Wi-Fi, and a dedicated workstation where I can sit until the place closes. By contrast, one co-working space in my city charges $200 per month for a, quote, shared desk, $300 for your own personal desk, and offers private offices for up to $1,500 per month. That $1,500 can buy you approximately 600 blueberry muffins. I'll let you decide where your money is better spent. Four co-working spaces. Co-working represents the future of smart city design. One of the primary arguments against co-working is the necessity to, quote, drive to an office. The people who make that argument sound like they're stuck in the suburbs of the 90s, when the slightest inkling of want required a 15-minute slog up a six-lane neighborhood thoroughfare to get to the nearest restaurant or strip mall. Depending on where you live, especially for people outside a city center, co-working may not be the most convenient option for you. Still, spaces are increasingly common in the suburbs and even in smaller cities and towns. The vision of co-working isn't only about the co-working itself. It's that it represents a small part of what modern urbanism should be. You shouldn't have to drive 40 minutes in rush hour traffic from the burbs to the city center to go to work, and I can see that doing that as a remote worker defeats the entire purpose of remote work. Instead, you should be able to walk, or better yet, hop on a bike or public transit to a co-working space within a reasonable distance from your home, hotel, Airbnb, or, let's dive off the deep end here, co-living space. There's an undeniable sense of privilege in this, but the future of work will continue to move more careers to remote, which will likely drive market demand for close-to-home, flexible workspace options that include cafes and co-working. Even better if it's all joined together, along with other amenities like dining, nightlife, and outdoor rec. Progress is inevitable. You can spark a legal joint to that. Against co-working spaces, the myth of productivity. In my opinion, the biggest misunderstanding about co-working spaces is that they're a substitute for an authentic office environment. Co-working spaces are the dive bars of offices. Offices are often considered stale, uninspired workspaces, but they're usually designed for productivity and the pursuit of a common goal. Co-working spaces might look flashier and come with free donuts, but by comparison, they're an absolute free-for-all. Unless you're willing to fork over a good chunk of your income for a private room, you'll find yourself at the mercy of an unpredictable cast of characters in a shared space. Listening to others' phone calls will become a daily distraction. Instead of getting accustomed to your colleagues' obnoxious quirks, in co-working spaces, you can look forward to a rotating door of, quote, co-workers with potentially annoying, inconsiderate habits. Sure, you might make some friends, but will you get anything done? If only there was a public space furnished with plenty of desks that guaranteed absolute quiet, Oh yeah, they're called libraries, and they're free. Four co-working spaces. Nowhere offers better networking. Co-working memberships can often pay for themselves solely from the networking and professional development opportunities they offer. 
In 2017, I spent a month in Bali working at Outpost Coworking, shout out Outpost, which is the best representation I've seen of the promise of coworking. Its locations are walkable or easily reachable via scooter in both Ubud and Changu, and the space offers co-living options for travelers along with services like airport transfers. In addition to being an incredibly beautiful workspace, Outpost hosted nightly networking events featuring speakers touching on a wide range of topics related to remote work and the location-independent lifestyle. These events provided a great way to meet the other people in the space and often led to fun and engaging dinners at nearby restaurants afterward. One of the most useful aspects of co-working came as a result. I landed a client, a business owner who needed content management, that turned into a long-term partnership and friendship in which we both benefited. As an added bonus, the revenue generated from that contract more than paid for my entire time in Bali, including flights to my next destination. This is not uncommon. These spaces are typically populated by people who work in similar but adjacent fields, Web developers, copywriters, ad agencies, content marketers, and SEO whizzes are staples at most good co-working spots. They all need clients, and in turn, each other. When you're a copywriter at a networking event chatting with a woman who runs a content marketing agency and needs copy for an upcoming campaign, guess who she's going to hire? Relationships like that don't happen when you never leave your spare bedroom office, and they certainly don't happen when you're stuck on mute at the library. Against co-working spaces. Coworking spaces squander the flexible benefits of being remote in the first place. Choosing to work from an office every day as a remote worker is like choosing to work at Dairy Queen after winning the lottery. The whole point of location independence is the freedom to work wherever you wish. That could be a coffee shop, your bed, a library, a park bench, or a bar top. The possibilities are endless. Choosing to wake up, get dressed, pack a bag, and drive to an office is like crawling back into the restrictive cocoon from which you work so hard to break free. Of course, the freedom of remote work comes with the freedom to work from a co-working space. There's nothing wrong with revisiting the office life now and then, if only to remind yourself how much it sucks. Just don't pretend it offers anything you can't get at a coffee shop, allows for more productivity than a library, or is even remotely worth the exorbitant cost. 4. Coworking solves the grown-up friendships problem. We all know how hard it can be to make friends in adulthood once the days of booze-fueled youthful revelry are behind us. Making friends in a traditional office or other workspace is totally doable and very common. But in many cases, there are limits to, quote, work friends. Primarily that once one of you moves on to another position or leaves the company entirely, the friendship slowly diminishes until all you have left is a Facebook connection and a warm memory of what once was. In a co-working space, you're constantly surrounded by people who are at work, just like you. Difference is they don't work with you. They aren't your coworkers, and therefore your relationship isn't based on workplace gossip and insider info. But they do share an understanding of remote work, and they also spend their days staring at a laptop, probably working on tasks you're familiar with and using lingo you understand. They're also likely to be at the aforementioned networking events, ready to chill and have a conversation. Beyond finding clients, it's easy to make friends because the other people there are looking for non-work social connections, just like you. This is especially true in travel settings, where you and everyone else are away from home and existing social circles. In this way, your co-working membership serves as a built-in meetup group for working professionals. But hey, progress isn't for everyone. Some people would rather stay home, which I'd argue is the real squandering of the location-independent lifestyle. If you're considering testing out co-working and all of this is not proof enough, catch me at the free happy hour this afternoon in the conference room, and I'll show you the photo collage I built of epic, quote, dedicated workstation views from around the world. So that's the end of the uh, the article. I hate that you got the last word, Tim. Um, I feel like that's a little <laughs> yeah, unfair. Yeah, man. I got to say, though, 
we both had a couple of zingers in there. That's a pretty, that's a long yeah, piece. I, I want to, I want to call out specifically your quote. In many cases, there are limits to work friends. The friendship slowly diminishes until all you have is a Facebook connection and a warm memory of what once was. Were you thinking about me when you wrote that? Were you no. thinking that this article might be the <laughs> the wedge between the between us that after which our friendship is never the same again? It could be, man. It could be. Once uh, once you decide to go back to the hotel industry and I start riding my <laughs> e-bike around delivering for uh, DoorDash, then it's all we're going to have. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of put this this uh, co-working debacle behind us after we wrote this article, and now that we've dredged it up again on the podcast, I don't know if we can ever really look at each other the same way. Well, you know, the good thing about this is that we're both not hypocrites. You're at your house, and I'm at a co-working <laughs> space right now. So. Exactly. We are, we're practicing what we preach, I guess. Thanks for listening to No Black Updates. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us, of course, a five-star review. And if for some reason you want to follow what we're up to, I'm Flow underscore on Instagram, and he's TimWinger1. Also, a big shout-out and thanks to our producer, Alex Halke, executive producer, Katie Hetrick, our email marketing guru, Kelsey Wilking, the Matador social crew, and everyone else on the team who puts up with us on a daily basis. We'll see you guys next week.